chapter 5, Galatians chapter number 5, and I started this series last week on uh, fruit grows where the stream flows, and it's all about experiencing uh, the fruit of the Spirit in our daily lives. And this, this is something God wants all of us to have, is to have fruit, spiritual fruit. And so I want you to take a look tonight. Now, there's, there's only a couple of verses by way of introduction. So if you look in your Bible, go to Galatians 5, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 13. I want you to get the, the whole context of this passage before we get into the lesson tonight. Beginning in verse 13, the Bible says, For brethren, ye have been called unto, what's that next word? Unto what? Liberty. Liberty. All right. You have been called unto liberty. Notice, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. For if ye bite and devour one another, Take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, Ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. And of course, look, if you understand what the Word of God's saying here, if you understand the, the biggest bulk of those words, even though some may not be very familiar to you in that, in that regards, all of those are negative things, bad things. It's because they are a part of the works of the flesh. And the Bible says those things are made manifest. We look around in the world today, and I'm going to tell you folks, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what the works of the flesh are. And he gives, God gives an entire list here but let's read on in verse 21. He says, Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit. Now notice this list, quite different from the other list. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ, how many of you tonight are Christ? All right. If we're saved, notice it says, they that are Christ have crucified the what? The flesh. With the affections and lust, if we live in the spirit. Notice the word if. It's conditional, all right? Remember, God, if you're saved tonight, God saved you, but we're still living in the flesh. Anybody else struggle from day to day? You know, that's what he says here. If we 
live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Now again, in verse number 16 of this chapter, he says, Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So when we look at this passage tonight, I want to talk to you in these minutes about choosing to walk in the Spirit. Choosing to walk in the Spirit. This is what God would have for all of us as a Christian. And I want to, by way of illustration, I'll, I'll use this illustration. By the way, it's a true illustration about our president, Ronald Reagan. Now, when Ronald Reagan was a little boy, he was having some difficulty uh, with his feet, and he was struggling, and Ronald Reagan's aunt noticed what was going on, and she realized that he needed shoes. And so she took Ronald Reagan, they called him Ronnie, took him to a cobbler, and as she took him to a cobbler, a shoe cobbler, she, uh, the, the cobbler asked, he says, now, uh, Ronnie, do you prefer round-toed shoes or square-toed shoes? And he kind of stared at the cobbler, and he couldn't make up his mind. He couldn't decide if he wanted round-toed or square-toed shoes. And so the cobbler said to him, he says, well, I'm going to give you a couple days to make up your mind, and, and you can let me know. Well, he never came back in, and one day the cobbler saw little Ronald out there playing, and he went out there and he asked him again. He says, did you decide what type of shoe that you want? And he says, well, I, I don't really know. I, I can't really decide. And so the cobbler said, well, come by in a couple days and I'll have your shoes ready. Now, doesn't that sound odd? But there was a day that they had to make shoes for people. We just go into stores now, find our size, buy the shoes, they're there. But this is the day that he grew up in. So the cobbler says, I'll have them ready in a couple days. So he went and picked them up. And when he picked them up, one of his shoes was round-toed and one of them was square-toed. And he thought to himself, how awkward it's going to feel walking around in those shoes. And he made this comment, even as a boy, but it stayed with him all of his adult life. He learned a valuable lesson as he got older to never let people make decisions for him because that's what that cobbler did because he couldn't make up his mind later he said this he said if you don't make your own decisions someone else will is that is true in life if we don't decide and the bible says that we are given a choice god's given us the choice just like he gave reagan when he was a boy gave him a choice and the choice that I want you to look at tonight is right there in Galatians 5.16. Walk in the Spirit. It's your choice to either allow the flesh to win in your life or to walk in the Spirit. If we choose not to walk in the Spirit, guess what we're going to walk in? We're going to walk in the flesh. See, it's one or the other. You can't, you can't have part of one and part of the other. You know, Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon. You can't walk part of the time in the flesh, part of the time in the spirit. And in our lives, we've got to choose. Well, how do we do that? Through a life of prayer, a yielded life, we can choose to receive the supply of the spirit of God. Paul wrote about that in the book of Philippians. Look there in chapter one. He writes, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer 
and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Paul was telling those in Philippi, he says, look, I choose because I receive the supply of the Holy Spirit in my life. I choose to walk in the Spirit. I choose to live my life in a way that Christ would be magnified in my body, whether it's while I'm alive or after I am gone from this world. See, making right choices, it's not always easy. You know, every day people are faced with choices. And some people I've noticed, I'm not one of those kind of people. Some people are very gifted when it comes to making choices. They're just very good about it. I mean, they know when to decide certain things and uh, when not to do certain things. They're very gifted. Other people, uh, you know, it takes them a lifetime just to decide what color they want to paint their bedroom. You know, they just can't decide on anything. But look, we have to make right choices. And no matter how you might be struggling tonight when it comes to making choices in your life, here's the beauty of it. If you're a child of God, if you're in Christ, then understand from this passage, God wants to help you when it comes to making choices. And it begins, first of all, tonight with this matter of the warning of the believer. You see, God oftentimes will give us certain warnings, certain uh, lights he'll, he'll put in our pathway that should be a warning light to us. And the problem is, is, is many times we don't heed those, we don't pay attention to those. Uh, certainly, I hope you pay attention to when you're driving on the, uh, your vehicle on the road, that if you see a warning light, that you slow down, that you pay attention to what's going on. And as believers, listen, the, we just read that if we are saved, we have liberty. Now, again, people abuse. They don't understand what this liberty that we have is. When you got saved, let me put it this way tonight. Yes, you have a home in heaven, but God hasn't given you the liberty to live however you choose, because if you live the way you want to live, that's living your life according to the flesh. You see, we have to understand that we need to stand in the liberty that we have been given, but we are not bound by legalism. See, a lot of times people have a, a, a list of rules, even a lot of churches sometimes. You have to do this, you have to do that. I want to try to be a church that's balanced according to the Word of God, that we don't tell people, you have to jump through this hoop and you have to be this certain way. I do believe there are certain uh, principles and guidelines and things that we ought to pattern our lives after. We are a Bible church, so when it comes to why do we do things a certain way, we follow the Word of God, the Scriptures, the teachings of the Word of God. But this matter of liberty is something that people abuse and misuse. Notice, first of all, that liberty is not for selfish pleasure. Looking back in verse 13 of this chapter, the Bible says, brethren, that's saved people, he says, ye have, ye have been called in unto liberty, only use not liberty as an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. When, when God saved us, listen, it's because of our gratitude that He has saved us that it is out of that gratitude, that liberty that we've been given, that we should serve one another. We should use the, the, the liberty 
uh, well, let me put it this way. When we use the liberty for our flesh, here's what we've done is we've taken the gift that God's given to us and we have made it into one of Satan's weapons. A lot of times, unsaved people, they're watching saved people, Christians. And they'll say, well, he says he's a Christian, but look what he's doing. Look how he's living. And because of that, they're a poor testimony. And so somebody that does not know Christ, they struggle because they're like, wait a minute, there's no difference in him and me. You know, they know that they don't know Christ as their Savior. And we have to understand that this matter of liberty is not for selfish pleasure. Look what uh, Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us. Notice as God, is, His grace has been extended to us, notice what it does. It teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world. In other words, not when you get older, not in some other lifetime that many times people think that there's life after this. And of course, we understand that there's life eternal, but many people are not talking about that when they make statements like that. A lot of people say, I'll do that later or someday I'll put that off. But understand that God says that his grace has been given to us. And it shouldn't be used as an occasion to the flesh. In other words, what we should do is we should deny ungodliness, worldly lust, and we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. He says, looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So here, look, the choice, that's what, that's what Paul's telling those in Galatia. The choice is that we can use our liberty for selfish things, for pleasure in our lives, or we can use the liberty that God has given to us to guide us through life, living a life that is a life of righteousness, a godly life that is pleasing to the Lord. So the warning of the believer is that liberty is not for selfish pleasure. But notice letter B, what is liberty for? It's for serving others. Uh, when General Booth, and a lot of you probably are familiar with the Salvation Army, especially at Christmas time, you see them out with the red kettles and things like that. But the Salvation Army's done much, much good to help many people. But General Booth, who, who founded the Salvation Army, uh, many years as he was into ministry and just trying to help so many people, as he got older in life, his eyesight started to fail him. And his, his son came to him, his name was Bramwell, and he came to him and he said, Dad, I hate to tell you this, but the doctors just told me that you're going to lose your eyesight. And he says, you're, you're no longer going to be able to see. And, and, and General Booth looked at his son and, and he, says, he says, so do you mean that I'm never going to be able to see you again with my eyes? And he said, that's, that's what the doctors say. And Booth kind of looked at his son Bramwell and, uh, he, you know, this is what he said to his son before he lost his eyesight. He says, I have done what I could for God and for his people with my eyes. Now I shall do what I can for God without my eyes. See, Booth's spirit and attitude was, God has saved me. God has given me liberty to live my life, but I choose to live for God. I choose to serve others. 
instead of living it for himself, selfish gain, he's living it to help other people. The issue is not whether we have what it takes to serve. The issue is whether we will serve no matter what it takes. Look in Galatians chapter 5 again in verse 13. Brethren, ye have not been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Notice verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. What is Paul writing there? Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's trying to help us understand that true liberty is the freedom to do what is right. And the freedom to do what is right in the sight of God is that we would love one another. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. It's a clear uh, uh, indicator that we are using the liberty that God has given to us. See, liberty given to selfish gain. It's not pleasing to the Lord. When we live for ourselves, uh, do things that pleases us, look, we have to be like Paul and many others, motivated by God's grace to live the Christian life. Look what he writes in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Notice these three words, most gladly therefore. He says, I, look, I've been going through it. I, I've, I've been, I have many things, but he says, I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I mean, even through all the things that Paul suffered, all that Paul went through, there was, there was genuine evidence of the grace of God in his life. I love to see someone, uh, listen, uh, sometimes even like the lady that we mentioned tonight on the prayer page, who found out, according to the doctors, that she has five years to live. I'll tell you, she'll live as long as God wants her to live. She may live longer than that five years. Everything is in God's plan and God's timing. But here's the thing is, is that God gives us opportunities, even during some of those difficult times, that we can either choose. That that lady, she could say, okay, I have five years to live. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make the most out of every one of those days for five years. And she could go spend all of her money and she could take all the vacations and she's living according to the flesh. Or she can live a life that is pleasing to God. I remember years ago when we were in California and my daughter's in here and uh, maybe a few other folks that, that might have known, but there was a lady in our church and she was the mother of, of a young a girl that was the same age as our oldest daughter. And uh, she had cancer very, very bad, and she was really struggling. And I'll never forget, her name was Edie, and I think her real name was Edith. And she sang in the choir, the church choir. Now, our, our church, because God had blessed, the church had 13 people when, when my pastor went there, and they started knocking doors, just started seeing people saved, and the church began to grow, and God began to really just do a great work there. And the, the, the church choir is about probably about 200, 220 people in the church choir. So it's, it's larger than most churches in America. And so one person missing out of the choir is not a big deal. I mean, it, you know, it, a lot of times it doesn't take much for somebody just to say, well, you know, they won't miss me. I don't need to be up there. Uh, or when Edie was getting 
towards the end of her life and she was doing very poorly, she could have just said, you know what, I just don't feel like it. And guess what? Nobody would have had a problem with that, with the chemo and everything that she was going through. But I'll never forget those last Sundays, looking in the choir, and there's Edie on the back row, singing for the Lord, smile on her face. I found out a couple weeks later after that, that that Sunday, because they have two services on Sunday because they can't get everybody in the auditorium, that she sang in the choir in the early service, and she went out after she sang in the choir, and she was, she was sick, physically sick, in the bathroom, and then she came back in and sang for the second service. That's the grace of God, folks. She just wanted to spend her days not living her life according to the flesh, but living her life, the liberty that God had given to her to serve others. And this is what this is the spirit that God wants us to have is by grace we can serve. By grace we can give. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He writes, In so much that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you this the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. He's talking about the grace of giving. He says, abound in that grace. I speak not by commandment, by, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. Listen, when we give, it's, it's an opportunity for us to express our love back to God. It's an opportunity for us to, to, to serve God, to, to express that liberty that God has given to us. By grace, we can give. But notice also, by grace, we can communicate and we can do it in a spiritual way because of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. Look at Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech be always, always with grace. Not just sometimes, here and there. You know, the, the news had a, I don't even know who the guy was. I think he was an announcer on a newscast or something. But he, but he, he was trying to say something. And as he was trying to say it, according to the, the news report, that he was trying to get the word out. But instead, as, as he was trying to say it, he meshed the words together and the wrong word came out. And so they accused him of being racial and he lost his job. You know, and people were testifying. This man's been in the business for, I think it was 20 or 10 years or something. They said, that's not him. He's not that kind of person. It just something got mixed up with his words. Have you ever had that happen to you? You, you try to say something and something else comes out? And, and this, that happened to this man. But listen, in our lives, the Bible says, let our speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how ye ought to answer every man. So God has given us, listen, when we talk about walking in the Spirit, we have to address what he writes there in Galatians 5, that he, God has given us liberty, but he hasn't, been, he hasn't given us that liberty to live it in the flesh, to, to abuse it. He's given us the liberty to serve others. And so that's the warning that he gives to the believer. But then notice, secondly, he talks about the walk of the spiritual Christian. Now notice the words spiritual Christian. Because I meet a lot of Christians who are saved, but they're not spiritual Christians. 
What's the opposite of a spiritual Christian? Well, in the, in the Word of God, there's three categories of people. There's the natural man, that's an unsaved person. Then there is a spiritual man, that's a saved person that's walking in the Spirit. And then there's a fleshly Christian. That's someone who's saved, but they're walking according to the flesh. See, when we get saved, we don't get a new body. Someday we'll get that new body. How many of you are looking forward to that, right? But until then, we are still in this tabernacle that we have. And the flesh, every day, it's a battle, it's a fight, every day. And that's why Paul said, under the inspiration, I die daily. Every day of my life, I struggle. So the, the word here that he uses, walk in the Spirit, the word walk is actually a word written in present tense. Now, I don't know how you were in grammar, but if you think about this, present tense, it, it's not something in the past. It's not something that happened at one time. It's present tense. That means it's an ongoing, it's, he's talking about an action that is continual. So when you got saved, watch this. God says, from the moment you got saved, you're my child. I want you to be walking. Now, I know he says walk in the spirit. But understand, it's present tense. It means to be continually walking in the Spirit. He says, don't be walking in the Spirit today and walking in the flesh tomorrow. It's, it's a pattern. So notice letter A, it's a walk in the Spirit. D.L. Moody, Dwight L. Moody said, a Christian who is not living in the power of the Spirit is living below his privileges. And when he said below his privileges, what he was doing was he was making reference to the flesh. He's living according to the flesh. Th this phrase, to walk in the Spirit, the only way we can walk in the Spirit is to ignore the flesh, to put down the flesh, allow the Spirit to bear the fruit that the Spirit wants to bear in our lives. That fruit, we just read it in ver verses 22, 23. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, long-suffering, faith, all those, all those are the fruits of the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit means to have your daily life under his control. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit, to have your daily life under his control. And the only way we can do that is that we have ourselves under the direction of the Word of God. Because the, the Bible helps us. See, the Holy Spirit in my life, as Jesus said, he will guide you in all truth. What does that mean? That the Holy Spirit is always directing us away from sin and in the direction of God. And I love that because the Holy Spirit is never going to lead us astray. The Holy Spirit is going to help us to live our lives according to the Spirit. So notice he says that it is a walk in the Spirit, but then letter B, it's a chosen walk. When he says walk in the Spirit, again, God's not going to force you. Now, does God want you to walk in the Spirit? Absolutely. That's why the Bible says walk in the Spirit. But notice verse 18. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. What he's saying here is you have a choice as to how you want to live your lives. Again, notice the, 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 the little conditional word there, if. If ye be led. That means that you have to yield. You have to say, Lord... Today, I want you to take the lead in my life. Because yesterday, I did, and I made a mess out of myself. 
Now, that's, that's not an easy thing to do because we want to hold on to the reins. We want to control our lives. We want to make sure that everything goes the way we want it to go. But we all know that that's not the Christian life. The Christian life is not me lead. It's let God lead in my life. And that's what he's saying here is, is that it's a chosen walk. Look at Romans 6. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. In other words, don't let sin have its way in your life. Don't let sin control in your lives. And we all know, listen, every one of us are weak. We all have our weaknesses. We all give in in areas. And the truth is, is that the devil knows what our weaknesses are. He knows what buttons to push in your life. You know, the, the truth, look, from a human standpoint, I know what buttons to push in my wife's life. And my wife knows what buttons to push in my life. And if, if we know that about each other, then guess what? The devil knows exactly what to do to cause us to sin. And because of that, that's why he says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies. See, this world is going to war against the spirit. It's going to be constantly war. And what is, the, what is this world and what is really Satan? What is, what is this world and Satan after? The possession of your heart. You see, this world wants your heart. The devil would love nothing more than for you to turn away from God. That's why we, we, we talk about David on Sunday. He was a man after God's own heart. He had the heart of God, and the heart must choose. And listen, the one thing I understand from the Word of God is this. The Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Well, we won't grieve the Holy Spirit if we choose to walk in the flesh. And the only way we can do that is if we are a spiritual Christian. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we see the warning that we should not use our liberty as an occasion to the flesh. We see the walk of a spiritual Christian, that it is a walk in the Spirit. It's a choice. It's a chosen walk. But then notice number three, this is where we are. We live here every day. The warfare within each Christian, because it's something going on inside of every one of us. Notice, first of all, the pull of the flesh. And when we see the words there, the flesh, I think all of us understand it's, it's talking about the fallen nature still with the believer. Now, we're saved, but again, we, we are still struggling. If you don't believe me, go back again. It's one of those passages I, I've kept familiar with over the years, Romans chapter 7, where the Apostle Paul takes almost an entire chapter to talk about all that he struggles with day in and day out. And I think to myself, if this great man of God who knew the Scriptures so much more than I do in my life, then I think that in my life it's easy to see that I'm struggling in my life as well. See, the body itself, when you study the Scriptures, God made us body, soul, and spirit. Man is a trichotomy. The body is not sinful. And understand tonight that appetites are not even necessarily sinful, but what is? It's the tendencies of the old nature, because what the old nature wants to do is it always wants to go down instead of up. Remember the story of Jonah? 
You know, the Bible says he went down into the ship. You know, that's, that's, that's man's way. Man's way is down. God's way is up. And this is what we see many times is the pull of the flesh. Jesus said in his day, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. We're enslaved to that sin. Once we choose to sin, it's, listen, it begins to gradually reign, as Romans 6 just said, it reigns over us. It's in control of us. It's basically dictating to us because sin is something that is alluring. Sin will creep into your hearts. And the whole goal of sin is that it will detach our hearts from the heart of God. It'll get us to be thinking of ourselves instead of the Lord. Go back, look at your notes, Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, that our old man... Now, that you, listen, if you haven't taken this verse and, and really come to grips with it, you need to spend some time thinking about this verse because it says, our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. And, and what gets done in our lives... The, the, the truth of the matter is this, what gets done is what we decide is going to get done. See, we decide in our lives, we should not serve sin. That should be a decision. I'm not going to give in to sin. I'm not going to give in to whatever it is that besetting sin, whatever it is in my life. I am not going to go down that road. And I know that maybe in the past, like myself, you've been plagued with that. But what we need to say is that from henceforth, I am not going to serve sin. We should not serve sin. And this only happens when we decide that we're going to ignore the sinful pull of the flesh. But listen, we have to have a replacement value, and that is that we have to obey every command of God. So instead of giving into the flesh, what we're doing is we're listening to God through His Word. And that's the, that's the pull of the flesh, this warfare that goes on within each believer. But then notice letter B, what helps us when there's the flesh pulling, the letter B is the power of the Spirit. This is what we all need in our lives. The Holy Spirit, His power is seen, it's evident in the fruit that the Spirit produces. Again, look at these verses, the fruit of the Spirit. Can somebody see the love of God in you? Do people see that you have joy in your life? How about this one? Peace. Some people's lives are just chaotic. There's no peace. There's no evidence of that fruit in their lives. Long-suffering. Would you say God is long-suffering with us? He is. But the fruit of the Spirit... See, instead of letting the flesh pull us, what we need to do is walk in the Spirit so that we would have the evidence of God's spirit. gentleness, be gentle to all men, goodness. Do people, when, when people think of you, people at work, people that know you, your family, do they think, you know, there, there's some, something good about him? I'm not saying in a sense of salvation. I'm saying he's a good person. She's a good, she's a good lady. How about this next one? Faith. Is your faith evident? Meekness. Meekness is, is having your life under control. It's not weakness. It, it's, it's understanding the life that you have. Temperance. All of these, listen, the law, as the scriptures are oftentimes called, 
the law cannot, or excuse me, it can produce works, but it cannot produce fruit. The law cannot produce fruit. But the Spirit, look at, look at 1 Corinthians 2.14. The natural man, that unsaved person, he receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. See, a, an unsaved person, you're not going to see evidence of the fruits of the Spirit in their lives. Christian character comes from within, and it comes by the power of the Spirit. The Spirit of God seeks to transform us into what? The image of God, the likeness of His Son. 2 Corinthians 3.18, We all, with open face, beholding as it is in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. See, the Spirit is the one that produces. It's not the law. You, know, you see people who try to live their lives uh, 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 living according to the law. They're not happy people. You know, most people that I've seen trying to live their lives according to the law, they're very miserable because they're thinking to themselves, I have to do this, I have to keep this, I have to do this. I'd hate to live that way. Because the Bible says if you've offended the law in one point, you've offended the whole law. And it also says there's none good, no, not one. All are gone away, every last one of us. And so as we think about this matter of the Spirit-filled life, walking in the Spirit, when we say, when we say it that way, according to the Scripture, it's not some emotional experience. It's a daily experience of the believer that as that believer is fed by the Word of God and as that believer prays and obeys what the Bible says. It's a daily experience to be walking in the Spirit. Now, listen, just take today. I, I don't know what you did today. I don't work, whatever it may be. You can think to yourself, having thought of what we talked about tonight, and you can answer this question yourself. Did I walk in the Spirit today? And the assessment of whatever you think is, okay, then tomorrow I need to ask God to help me. I, I want to have some fruit in my life. See, God can still do great things, but He's only going to be able to do that if we choose to walk in the Spirit. Victory and peace, they're available to all who are yielded to Him. One way we see here in 1 Peter 5, 5, the Bible says, Submit yourselves unto the elder, yea, and all you be subject one to another, be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. See, we need to humbly choose. Did you hear what I say? Because the flesh is, I want to do it. I want to live my way. I want to lead my life. We have to humbly choose to walk in the Spirit. We have to purposefully decide, listen, on purpose, I am no longer going to serve sin. I'm not going to let sin reign in my... See, through the grace of our Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit is available to all who choose to walk in Him. He, Paul says again, this I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We must learn to live our lives according to the Spirit and not the flesh. Let's bow our heads tonight. And again, I hope that you're, you're thinking about this in your life. I know that this has been a, a struggle for myself even over the years, but we've got to heed the warning that God has given to each one of us. 
And we, we need to listen to this matter of the warfare that every day we're going to be facing things, but we must choose to walk in the Spirit. And I hope that's your prayer tonight. And let's pray and ask the Lord to help us to do that very thing. Lord, we ask you tonight, tomorrow and the next day and the next, to help us to not give in to sin, not let it reign in our mortal bodies. Lord, help us to be walking daily, walking in the Spirit. Lord, may there be evidence in our life that as we live our lives and we live them out day in and day out in this world that we live in, that the fruit of the Spirit would be seen, it would be evident, that people would realize something about us and may it cause them to want to know whatever it is that we have, which would give us a great opportunity to share you with them. Lord, help us again to walk in the Spirit, not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.